Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I have got my marvelous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Shazam. Shazam. You know, I was thinking, it, total random aside, I actually was just reading the comic where Shazam, uh, well, Shazam and, and Superman had an interaction where Superman found out that Shazam was actually Billy, was a kid. It was yeah, after like Billy. Yeah, it was after Billy's best friend had gotten hurt, uh, and he didn't know how to deal with it. And then Superman's trying to talk to him like an adult, and then Billy powers down and turns into his human form. And Superman loses his mind, and then goes and finds the Wizard Shazam, uh, and just has like words as a polite way of putting it. I don't know why that uh, popped into my head recently, but I just had to go back and read that comic. Just yeah, it's not. A, it's actually um, I don't remember the writer's name right off the top of my head. Uh, it's not Greg Rocca. Um, but it's one of the, like most of the time this writer and I, I don't get along with their work. I don't, I don't usually like Mm -hmm. it, but that Shazam Superman story is actually really good. As long as you know, which Superman it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the one that was Superboy as a kid. Um, you know, it's not the, you know, it's not the one necessarily who's got his, you know, cousin and, you know, his clone and then his son also all doing Superman stuff. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's actually a really good exchange because there's a point in it where he's like, he just walks in and goes, "Have you lost your mind?" And, oh, uh, Judd Judd Winnick. Like, yeah. Judd Winnick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just not usually, and this is nothing personal against him. Just that usually the kind of things he writes, and I, I don't like them. I mean, it's not that he's a bad writer or anything. It's just I am not into his work usually. So, but that story is really good. Yeah, and it is funnily enough, it actually transitions into something we're going to be talking about here, which is there's a lot of emotional impact in that storytelling in that particular set of, of Superman and Shazam interactions, because you, you understand like Billy has a whole different set of desires because yeah, he can power up and turn into this like big powerful hero that is on paper as strong as Superman. If not, oh yeah, if not yeah, stronger in some capacity, they're in the same class. It's yeah. absolutely the case. But he doesn't have the life experience. He doesn't have all the life lessons. And he's still looking at the world through the lens of a kid. It's one of the reasons why I actually like the Shazam live action movies. Because they sort of capture that really, really well. But we're going to start today with talking about something that I do think has a lot of emotional impact. And that's going to be the reclaiming of Gilneas storyline in World of Warcraft. So mild spoilers ahead for probably in the next 15, maybe 20 minutes as we talk about it. Um, Matt, have you had a chance to play through it yet? Or do you know what happens in it? I do know what happens. Um, I started it, but I haven't finished it, but I have watched videos and so forth. I know, I know the, the basic strokes of it. So what do you, what do you think overall? Cause this is you know, both factions get a call to arms here. If you're Alliance, you're told that the King is summoning you, the King of Gilneas is summoning you that Gen Greymane wants to talk with you and you have a mission to go forth. And if you're doing it from the Horde side, uh, you have one of Lillian Voss's minions. I don't even know what the heck they're called because they're not truly like forsaken death guard, but they're sort of like her own little shadow agency, kind of like the forsaken equivalent of, of SI seven. Uh, I mean, in the game, it says death guard elite. Yeah, but uh, it's, it, but it's like, they're not really the traditional death guard. So I don't know if she just took over them. I think it's basically a situation where, uh, basically she didn't ask permission. She's going to ask forgiveness later if she has to, but in the meantime, you know, someone's got to be charged in charge of these people. So it might as well be me. Um, I've, I've, I've noticed one of the things I like about Lillian Voss and people are going to be like, he likes a horde character. I actually like quite a few horde characters. Quite a few of them uh, are really well written. Yeah. I re- one of the things I like about Lillian Voss is the ultra pragmatism. Yes. And, and that they, they understand that being an ultra pragmatist, being extremely into specific actions that will gain specific results, doesn't make you a mindless murdering monster. She, she doesn't do things for cruelty's sake. She doesn't do them to like antagonize anyone. She simply has goals and she wants to meet those goals and she's willing to do whatever it takes to meet those goals. And if that happens to step on someone's toes, oh, well. Um, and I like that portrayal of you could you could call it lawful neutral in a um, using the you know the D and D alignment chart. Uh, although I don't even think that really works because I think there's a fierce need in Lillian Voss to have something to belong to. Because remember, she was like a big she was like a, a a very inculcated in the Scarlet Crusade. 
from like a very early age. Her father trained her to be an assassin from like the time she was barely old enough to walk. Didn't she? Uh, um, didn't she wield the blades of the anointed at one point? Mm-hmm, I'm sure she did. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing about Lillian. She she just when she died and became forsaken, she did not like it. At first, she she was like, "No, this can't have happened to me." And it took her a lot to realize, you know, I'm still me in here. And if if I, we thought we thought that they were just all mindless monsters, but I now know that that's not true. And if I can't I can't be who I was going to be, I'll be someone who will do whatever it takes for my people, whoever they are. And if my people are the forsaken, all right, I, I now know what they're really like. Cause I am one now. And I think that's why she's taken such an interest in Kalia too. The reason she's basically, she keeps saying, you know, Kalia is not in charge. They have a council, but you'll notice that she rides real hard on Kalia's shoulder. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, what is it she said at one point, which is like a, a, a caring hand can help guide through the darkness, something like that. Like she, she made a quote oh, to be raised on death is to forever be hunt, haunted by the ghosts of your past. A caring hand can offer comfort through the pain. And Lillian is a character who has a lot of pain and, and Kalia, uh, she is sort of that compassion incarnate, right? That's, that's a cornerstone of her character when she's been reintroduced to the story and her representation in game. So I think, I think Lillian may be hard pressed to keep Kalia safe and look to Kalia for, for direction because it's sort of almost like regaining parts of her humanity, which she didn't even have when she was with the Scarlet Crusade. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things I used when I was talking about it with somebody else, um, I was mentioning that to to me, it's very much like the best Batman Superman stories Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the best Batman Superman stories. Batman would take a bullet for Superman knowing it would kill him without question. He would not hesitate to do it. And the reason is he would not hesitate to do it is because he, because he does not, he grew up without that hope. And Superman is literally that hope for a better world because he has all this power. And what does he do with it? He tries to help people. And as soon as Batman got that into his head, that this guy really is this, he honestly really is that it, it, their, their relationship immediately changed. Yeah. Like he, he, he became able to trust someone. If he can trust no one else, you can trust the literal God who doesn't want to be a God who doesn't want to rule us. His entire purpose is to help and to provide hope and to you know keep horrible things from happening, but he won't take over the planet. He won't rule us. He doesn't want to. And that there's, if anyone, it, it's that combination. I think it's partially that Lillian realizes Kalia doesn't want to be a despot. She doesn't want to control mm-hmm. the, the forsaken. And yet at the same time, just her existence is a form of hope that we can be more than this. We, and at the same time, Kalia actually gets Lillian's pain. 
Talia has felt pain like that. Mm-hmm. Talia lost her husband and her child. Talia had to hide in ditches to, to evade the scourge. You know, she, she knew she has been the person who hated the undead. And she's been the person who then realized, no, they're not that bad because of her mentor, um, Archbishop uh, Alonsus Fowl. And then she realized, you know, after he died, she's went through that pain. And then finally she died and became undead. Even though she's not forsaken, she's undead. It's a different kind of necromancy, but it's still necromancy. All of these things that have happened have given Kalia extreme, her compassion comes from understanding. So she understands Lillian's pain. So I think they make a really good team in that, in that aspect. And it makes sense that they would be attempting to help in Gilneas because whilst for Lillian, it's a pretty, it's a concrete thing. It's a, it's a pragmatic thing. It's like, we don't want to have the Scarlet Crusade on our doorstep. Um, better somebody that we're actually in a treaty with and can at least hope the armistice will hold than, than the Scarlet Crusade, who are going to just whip themselves up into a frenzy and make more attacks on the Horde. And we, we're new, we just reestablished ourselves in Lordaeron. We can't afford them here. That's just, that's no good. Kalia is obviously seeing it more as we can do this thing. It'll it'll show the uh, Gilneans that they don't have to hate and fear us. Um, we can try and you know pay back our debt for what happened and move forward in a spirit of reconciliation. And either both of them understands that the other one has that mindset. Yeah, they're not they, blindsided by it. It, it. And like you said, it's very complementary. Um, and you can see that a little bit too. Um, in we talked about the. Uh, stories that we've read with that happen to have them as as characters, uh, the Vow Eternal, the little novella that came out, which was the uh, Lothamar and Thalysor wedding. Um, it was Voss with Kalia and Derek Menethil, or not Derek Menethil, Derek Proudmore. Proudmore. Yeah, sorry, I have Menethil on the brain. Um, who showed up to that wedding? They attended the wedding as a group, um, and you can kind of see, um exactly how things were starting to play off. Like they are the ones that realized that Mia Greymane, the queen uh, had gone to the wedding instead of her husband, uh, Gen Greymane. Um, they had very uncomfortable glances um, with Kalia being the one that was okay with saying it was nice to see queen Mia again. She was the one that broke sort of the diplomatic silence, right? Because Voss is not going to, it's it doesn't serve a, an immediate purpose, so she wasn't going to. And Derek is still getting used to being forsaken at this point. Um, so and probably feels a little bit of guilt towards everything that happened, even if he didn't play a direct hand in it. So it really goes to Kalia, and they they sort of all all three of them kind of work in a an interesting pattern. And we see that and the reason we bring this up is to frame what type of person uh Lillian Voss is. Because during Dragonflight, there is a whole section of storyline where the Scarlet Crusade for, uh, forces led by, I think it's Forsyth seize control of Fenris Isle to use as their staging ground to, to strike against the forsaken within the ruins of Lordaeron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Voss who calls upon the champions us uh, to basically go in there and uh, sort of take care of problems with Voss hot on our tail. Right. Um, and then that sort of feeds directly into here where the Scarlet Crusade has sort of left Fenris Isle and now they have basically taken over Gilneas, which has the walls been destroyed at this point. It's been under siege, but they've got a pretty good foothold and they've got the water against their back. So they have a, a way to retreat theoretically. Um, yeah, the, the, you, know, you can always get on a boat if you have to. Right. That's what they did when the uh, the the Lich King was sending his his death knights after them. They had boats and they were ready to get on the things. And they did. I mean, some of them died. Some of the boats were destroyed, but enough of them got on those boats that they ended up in Northrend. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Granted, they were being played by a demon there, but, you know, uh, Scarlet Crusade are always really good to, you know, for getting duped into obeying somebody. Regardless, though, yeah, it's Voss's. I, I keep using Batman as my example because I think it's a decent one for Voss. Voss is kind of the Forsaken's, um, sort of their spy master. Um, the yeah. Alliance has a sp- have spy masters, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, bloody heck, I can't remember his name. The, he, he's dating the guy from uh, Matthias Shaw. 
Yeah, Matthias Shaw. Matthias Shaw, you know, is a, is a classic example of a spy master. But the Horde, especially the Forsaken, didn't really have one up till now. The closest one is why can't I remember her name? The the um the Blood Elf that had yeah, worked with Valeria Sanguinar. Yeah, who kind of operated as like a free agent between the Alliance and the Horde in that capacity. Yeah, she had contacts on both sides. Yeah, um, less so now that Varian's dead. But uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, there's there's been a role open, especially in the Forsaken, because the big part of this, I mean, as much as I feel like I'm talking about the Forsaken a lot, and people may be like, I thought this was about Gilneas. It all the matters. Forsaken, the Forsaken are pretty tied up in what happened to Gilneas. Yeah, because it um, is it is Sylvanas who led the yeah. uh, incursion into Gilneas, who yeah. took it over, raised some of the Gilnean citizens as Forsaken, and struck down uh, Liam. Uh, yeah. King King Greymane's heir, essentially, and and when the, it became clear to the Forsaken that they couldn't actually win, they couldn't hold it, they destroyed it, they poisoned it so that no one could live there. Um, and if you want to think, look at that and think of that as kind of a a test run for what eventually happened to Undercity, you're not wrong. Uh, Sylvanas blowing up for you know Undercity with the you know with the plague is another example of the way she thinks about victory and defeat, or at least the way she thought about it Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. until like uh, the end of Shadowlands. Victory was to be achieved by any means, including like if you had to lop off your arm to win, you did it because you could always go find another arm and stitch it back on. Uh, There's that, that cold calculating essence of the way Sylvanas used to act that, that was a big part of the, of the Forsaken's motivation for action. It was like, in a lot of ways, the Forsaken didn't really have motivation to act. They were like mired in the, the horror of their existence. And that is something that I think we don't really talk about enough. It really isn't great to be Forsaken. No, and, and, and the I, Forsaken are the most aware of this more than anybody else. I, the Forsaken know I'm, I'm rotting. My, my brain is getting mushy. My jaw fell off again. And, and this is just, this is the day-to-day stuff. Yeah, like go and, go back and read. Uh, I think it's before the storm. Yep, before uh, the storm. That's why. Bef- before the storm is a really great view into what it's like to be a forsaken. Why there is a flesh works in the undercity. Why there is why they have to harvest body parts because, like Matt's saying, their bodies are constantly decomposing. There is no such thing as a stable forsaken because they weren't really. The Scourge was never designed, essentially, to be a permanent thing. And we've talked about yeah. this before. It was meant to clear the world for invasion and then essentially fall apart. It didn't. It didn't go according to plan. And the Forsaken waking up and taking control of themselves or wresting control away from the Lich King and having their minds intact like they did, or at least as close to intact as they could, was putting them in that such a weird position you can't really die, die, right? Um, I'm reminded of there was a episode of Twilight Zone many, many years ago. I'm talking black and white episode of Twilight Zone where there was a bunch of mobsters. They killed some guy and they were going to basically bury him in a swamp. But the whole episode was through the perspective of the guy that was supposedly dead in the back of the, the car, uh, who was just kind of watching everything unfold, trapped in his own thoughts, not alive, but not dead. Like he was just kind of stuck in the body and the forsaken sort of are in that position. So yeah, the only difference is they can actually move around. Right. But they have to harvest body parts, even if they don't want to, they may think it's unsavory, but you know, if their arm falls off, well, you, you kind of need an arm, at least one, uh, if their jaw falls off, they still need their, their jaws and, and, and bits and pieces to talk. Uh, and, I think going back to Kalia, that's also another reason why I think Kalia is such a beacon of hope for them because she doesn't have that particular problem. And there's hope that maybe they'll be able to solve that. But yeah. I mean, if you look at two, that's one of the things that Sylvanas was working on, you know, for all that she said at one point that they were just arrows in her quiver. She was trying to make it so that they didn't fall apart. Mm-hmm. She only found like certain ways to do it. One of them was literally to find a relative of the person in question and kill them. Uh, which she did for, um, oh man, I can't remember his name. And he's Nathanos. She did it for Nathanos Blakecaller. She she basically used one of his own relatives to to like turn his rotting husk of a body into a into one that was sustaining, but it required the use of the Valkyr. 
You know, in essence, it, it required Shadowlands level magic to do it. Now, meanwhile, Talia is animated by the light, and again, that's another form of magic. In either case, it's a it's there's different ways to do necromancy. I just I do find it fascinating to to watch the Forsaken evolve as a group. Yeah, and I think um, this this and the reason we bring this up, and again, why it's important is because that evolution sort of is important here because. As a Horde player, and I just want to do this from the Horde perspective a little bit, just going into the the events that happened, Lillian Voss says that I, you know, I have an Alliance contact meeting with us by our boat. We're going ahead of the army to offer our raid. Uh, and and Kali goes to ensure we don't take King Greymane by surprise. His dislike of the Forsaken is well known. Watch yourself. Tensions will be high. Uh, the person that meets them is Tess Greymane princess and only living heir to the throne of Gilneas. She's the one that says, I need your help. I understand that I can't do this without you. And because Kalia is there, it is sort of like two kingdoms reuniting after ages of not being at, we like able to support each other. Yeah. The last time that these two nations were in anything like this, it was when Kalia's father and Tess's father broke with each other yeah you know the one where the get again says the the often repeated lines you know damn the alliance and damn you you know this is the last time you're going to hear from me Terranus. so i hope you were listening and it's it proves quite true it is the last time they speak they never speak again uh again walls up and keep in mind gen abandoned half his kingdom yeah like silver pine which the, the forsaken now hold wasn't Lordaeron. It was Gilneas originally. Yep, all the and way up he, through. Yeah, he abandoned it because there was no good place to build a wall that didn't leave that part out. He wanted a nice narrow choke point, so he moved all the Gilneans in and he abandoned what was essentially farm farmland to their own devices. If you didn't want to come into the wall, then you stay out there and you're not our problem anymore. So this act, this moment of I won't call it reconciliation exactly, but the first step to on the road to reconciliation. And and it leads into it leads into a direct moment that I think is very powerful here, which is after this you show up on the docks, and the dock is essentially you the champion with uh at least from the horde side, because uh, I have not done this alliance side, uh with Lillian Voss, Caliamenethil, Gen Greymane, and Mia Greymane, uh, as you're watching the interaction between them, which starts with uh, Gen essentially going, what is this forsaken? And Mia saying, calm yourself. Tess is with them. There has to be a reason. And then Gen is taken aback because he's so focused on the forsaken being there that he didn't notice Tess was there. And he asks what she's doing and or in what they're doing here. And Tess says they're here to help us retake Gilneas. And he flips out, rightfully so. They're the reason we were driven out. Have you forgotten? And Mia calms him down again. It's Kalia, Kalia Menethil, not some mindless scourge. Let her speak. Something that would not have happened before this, that I don't think if it was still just the regular Forsaken, if Kalia was not in this role and not leading the people of the Forsaken in any capacity, this exchange never would have happened. And again, probably would have wolfed out immediately and just gone ham on them. Yep. I mean, and that's the thing is, the, from the Alliance side, the real message and the lesson here is that Tess is an adult. Yeah. That we've, she's always been kind of treated like a girl, even though you saw her in Legion as a member of the the Uncrowned. And that's the, that's the really interesting thing here. Tess, Tess doesn't contact Kalia directly. Tess contacts Lillian. Because Tess and Lillian were both part of the Uncrowned. They know each other. Mm -hmm. They have worked together. Um, and it's that Tess is therefore, it's not, this This story is not again Greymane's story. It's a Tess Greymane story. This is where you see Tess Greymane step up and take the position that was intended for her brother. But yeah. her brother is dead and, and he can't do it. And, and even then, like, and you see that with, like, while it is not definitely not again Gray Main story, and I appreciate that, he's the one that says, "You need to show me the way." What are your orders to Tess, to mm -hmm. his, to his kid, to his remaining child? Tell me what you need us to do, and we will do it. You are in charge, uh, and it is a very powerful moment. Because think about this: 
Think about Gen Graming. Think about who he's been for the last several expansions. A king displaced, uh, a person who lost his, his son, a person who has was almost lost his wife. Because don't forget, during the burning of Teldrassil, Mia Greymane was there and had to be essentially pulled away because she was making sure other people were getting out to survive. And I believe it's the adventurer, the, the champion that goes and pulls her out. And yeah. without that, she would have died. Uh, I, and, I had to shove her in a portal. Yeah. And again... Gen would have yeah. Gen would have been even more distraught having lost that, not knowing where his his daughter had been at this point too. Like it would have shattered him, but he's got. It's sort of like a reminder at this moment that he does still have something, and so that's what happens. And you start going through, uh, basically clearing out ahead of the armed forces arriving on the beach as a small strike force. You with in my case the aid of Lillian Voss, and I don't know if she did this for the alliance. I assume so. Um, I think she's there, but Tess is the one who's doing it for the Alliance. Well, you get both of them on mine. So yeah, in- I think, I think it's just basically they're both there, but if you're a horde, Lillian is the one who talks to you more. And if you're Alliance, it's, it's, it's well, Tess. So in the, on the horde side, it's both. So Tess is there as the tank. Uh, and then Lillian is sort of like the assassin in the shadow. So you can call Lillian in like Tess will sit there and smack the Scarlet Crusade and go through like it's you and Tess doing the stuff, calling in Lillian to do strategic strikes from the shadows, which is really it's an interesting dynamic. But it's one that that uh, Tess and Lillian have had already, like you said, with the Uncrowned. You go through, you clear out the Scarlet forces and then you get to uh make your way through the city streets. You go through a lot of the same areas that you went through with the Worgen starting zone uh, and that whole storyline. Uh, you actually have to go up to where Liam's grave is at one point to find a confessor, I believe is up there. Uh, it's either a confessor or a, uh, a uh, crusader. I can't remember which. Um, and then you get ready for the main siege, which is where, the castle is or the manor. It's sort of a weird hybrid in between Gilneas's. It's a house, but also that's where the throne room is. And, but it also mm-hmm. kind of looks like a church. Yeah. Uh, and you see the Scarlet crusade have put all sorts of arcane, holy or, or sorry, light based barriers up around the place. They have siege weapons and, and stuff to counteract uh, people coming in. And it's a massive assault that you have to go in, break up the weaponry and then actually go in and, uh, crush the crusade going after inquisitor Fairbell, who has basically taken up residence in the throne room, uh, of Gilneas and, uh, is wielding the light in a, in very, at least I thought a very interesting way. Not only is it a weapon dealing holy fire and, and, uh, basically making the floor lava. Uh, but at one point she essentially turns herself into a light elemental, which was, I don't think we've seen that before. Have we? No, I mean, we've seen the void ones, but I don't think we've actually seen the light ones. And it's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a void elemental just made out of light, which is absolutely impressive and terrifying because that is something we haven't seen the Scarlet Crusade before. And that can mean all manner of just craziness in the in the future for dealings with them. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But I'm going to stop talking and let you talk about anything you want to hear because it's a really interesting set of moments. Yeah, I, I don't think that for me, what's interesting is the aftermath. Go for it. Um, the, the fact that 
the Gilneans managed to work side by side with the Forsaken. Uh, the fact that Gen was able to put aside his anger and his, and it's justifiable anger. This is one of the problems I often have with the, the, the narrative in world of Warcraft that, you know, you know, you're angry, but you know, you can't let your anger rule you. You can't like, you know, take action based on your anger. It's always done at a time where someone's literally just had the bad thing happen to them. Yeah. Either home like, has been destroyed. Their child she- has been killed. Jaina, Jaina has like, you know, her, her home, you know, her city, you know, Theramore destroyed and like instantly Thrall is like, don't, don't do a bad thing. And it's like, you know, dude, let her work through this a little bit before, you know, and that's one of the things I like here is that Guinness had a decade of real time more than really. It's been, I think 12 years at this point since Cataclysm came out. Uh, maybe even 13 years, but regardless, Cataclysm came out years ago, even in game with the time slip and everything. It's been about that long. It's been about 13, 14 years. And in that time he has managed because he's won his victories against Sylvanas and he's had some defeats, but he, he did that one really big thing of stopping her in um, the storm peaks. Oh, the huge, absolutely huge with the soul yeah. cage, essentially. Yeah. He stopped her from from getting control of air. He stopped her from from her her plan A, um, which may have ended up why she embraced the jailer fully. But regardless, it was a victory, and it was a victory he literally stole from her. Like she didn't. She thought she'd beaten him, and then she looked down, and he was like, "You're looking for this?" Doom blew it on the ground. So as a result of that, he's had enough time, and he's got Mia there. Since he didn't lose Mia in Battle for Azeroth, as you pointed out, he's got Mia there. He's had enough time to to grieve and to process, and finally, he still does not like the Forsaken, and he's clear about it. He's up front. Uh, I don't think Gangrami knows how to lie about how he feels about something. No, he is he is very much the I don't want to say alpha wolf, but like he he's he's very in tune with his feelings otherwise. Yeah. And he, he will tell you. Yeah. yeah. And he's not he afraid to say tell you. No, no, he is not. So you get that, you get that guy, and he still is that guy, but he's willing to step back and let other people make these decisions well, because he's 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 giving he's giving them time and he's giving them a chance to prove him wrong because he's willing to accept that just just let me get through and then i'll shut up yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and because here the moment we get here is where tess literally becomes queen of gilneas he tells her it's you your queen now it should have always been you yeah he abdicates for her and and there's some back and forth tess doesn't want to do it at first and he's like you know he basically makes the point that he spent all these years mourning liam Instead of, you know, understanding what he still had. And I think that that's kind of like the, it sums up what you were talking about with Kalia and Lillian. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that mirror of that is that, you know, yes, you lost something. Yes, you mourn. Yes, you're in pain, but you can't just forget what you do still have. And it's so, it's a nice moment because it wouldn't have happened without the Forsaken. They, they couldn't have taken Gilneas back without them. Yeah. They didn't have the force to do it. And and I think there's another element too here that I think is at play and I think has also helped his character. And Gen is one of those characters where when we first were introduced to him, I could not stand him. Um, I thought he was written very boorishly. It was sort of boring and tropey, and I didn't really care for him. As time has gone on, the character has developed and grown into something much more complex and something much more interesting to me. Uh, and I think part of that with this characterization in this moment is that he's sort of been having to advise and help lead the Alliance for a number of years now, something his character never wanted to do. He nope. didn't want anything to do with the Alliance. He wanted to be away from it. He didn't want to be part of their petty squabbles or any of their wars or their fighting. And he's been in the thick of it for so long now uh, because he hasn't had a choice. It's been thrust upon him, but it's also sort of shifted because once again, he's had to look at citizens who aren't able to turn into worgen. He has to take care of the farmers and uh, make sure that the military is fed and taken care of, uh, which are mostly conscripted farmers and people anyway, Uh, make sure that infrastructure is running in the face of war and adversity and everything else that's happening. 
And it sort of, I think, gave him something that he hadn't had for a long time behind his wall, which was an actual people to care about and govern and be responsible for. And in this moment, he realizes that he, while he has changed, he can't do it anymore, not like he used to. And to be fair, he doesn't really want to. Tess is the better choice. She sees the world for what it can be, something he still struggles with. He can deal with problems and things that are on his plate and deal with immediate things, but almost like, I don't want to say his hope is gone, but a lot of that that hopeful looking to the future isn't necessarily his purview anymore. Well, and I mean, he- it comes down to a very simple thing. Um, you get to a point, and it's one of the things I've actually liked. I've always liked Gen, actually. I, I even though I thought he was he he was a real jerk, I've liked him as he was being a real jerk because I understood why mm-hmm. he was being mm-hmm. a real jerk when he started all the way back during like the the end of the Second War. His 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 main goal was always his people because he was responsible for them. They were his people, and he was going to take care of them because that was his task. Um, being a king wasn't for Gilneans. Being a king wasn't something that you got to like strut around and, and feel happy about it was a it was a duty yeah and and a, and at times a grim one um so he did the things he thought were necessary in order to protect his people and it didn't work out obviously if you look at the whole thing with the worgen and so forth the things things got bad but they never got bad because he shirked his duty and even after liam died and Liam was the same way. Liam put through himself in front of Sylvanas's arrow because he believed it was his duty to protect his father. And I think a lot of this, Gen's transformation, a lot of it has to do with Anduin. And not I would agree. Not in the sense of Anduin showed me hope. Just Anduin wasn't his son, but he was a son. He was somebody's child. He, he was put into the position that Liam would have been put into had he lived of being king of a country that, you know, was, you know, so Stormwind is just as hard on its kings as, as Gilneas ever was. And so by being there for Anduin, by being, you know, an example for, by doing, by honoring the thing that Varian said to him when, when they, when he like, we watched him die, he could in some small way heal up from what he'd been through, but you you never just regenerate, you know, those parts of your body, those parts of your being, are gone. Mm-hmm. When Liam died, it took something from him. Well, I want I want to go to this part because I think it, this is actually really important to what you're saying. Right after he names Tess now Queen of Gilneas, um, he disappears. Right, he wanders off, and when Tess goes looking for him, uh, Mia and Tess kind of know exactly where he is and ask you to go kind of go check on him, and he's at Liam's grave. And I want to just kind of read what he says here because I think it's really important. And I don't know about you, but it hit me in the feels. And it says, I don't know if you would recognize me, Liam. All these years, the lessons I have learned, the Alliance has always offered an outstretched hand. There are days it feels right and days I wonder, what if I had not built that wall? Would Lordaeron still stand? Would you still be? Ah, but listen to me. The ruminations of an old man. You did not live long enough to regret as I do. Your sister will lead the kingdom now. No one can be more proud of her than your mother and I, except perhaps you. Rest well, my son. Gilneas is in the best of hands. And it's like you're saying, you can't really regenerate the pieces of you that are broken. Not that way. But Yeah, you're not that person anymore. And the, he the, says the as things much, that right? wound you. Yeah, exactly. The things that wound you change you. Mm-hmm. Because they were the things that you had not happened to you before. They weren't part of who you were. Your pain is part of who you are. Um, you learn lessons from it. Yeah, I used to. I even used if to you don't want to. I used to say something uh, years ago, and I used to scars are tattooed memories, right? They're permanent reminders of things you've been through. They'll generally always be a part of you, and they'll always have a certain memory associated with you. And that wound will heal and scar over, but it will always mark you. And that's kind of what happens with Gen. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it constantly drags him down. And as a matter of fact, he's it just forced him to sort of evolve. Like you said, it changes him. It changes yeah, I mean, everybody. When you have something horrible happen, and we see that with a lot of World of Warcraft characters, really, when you go through that experience, it, it there is no way to go back to before you had that experience because you are the person who had that experience now. And everything you do going forward will be 
I don't want to say tainted, but it will be part the person you were and the fact that you aren't that person anymore will be part of you going forward as you become someone else. And that will continue throughout your life. Gen here, this is the first time that Gen here has actually let himself, I I don't want to say relax, but I can't think of a different word. Decompress. It's like, he's finally, he finally gets to stop and, 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 turn to like his dead son and, and say, you know, the farewell that he didn't get to say to him because literally his son died and they had to evacuate the kingdom, you know, and immediately their boats got attacked and almost destroyed. And he had to like, you know, find Mia and, and she almost do- drowned. And then they finally got to, you know, Teldrassil and they barely got a chance to sink in any roots there before he was off in Stormwind, uh, trying to, you know, get the Alliance back in shape for something. And then Teldrassil got destroyed and he almost, his wife almost dies just thing after thing. And this is the first time in a while he's been able to just sit down in Gilneas in his home and, and, and just like let out the breath he'd been holding for like 10 years. And that's like that, that moment. I don't want to say, again, I don't want to say he's relaxed and I don't want to say he finally just accepts that he's an old man. Cause he knew he was an old man. No, but I think breathing is the right analogy. Yeah. Like, I just, there's that moment of, <sighs> okay. It's like, it's like, yeah. it's like that feeling when you get to sit for the first time in hours after like having to be on your feet and moving around all day. And I think everybody's felt that it's not even a, a relief or a decompression. Uh, it, it's this moment of, of, okay, I can, I can reset. I can start looking at things again. I can, be- I can let myself feel yes what i have been suppressing all this time because i couldn't uh, i couldn't dare to allow myself to feel it because i had to keep moving yeah and had and that's that's what we get here well and we get a little bit more too which i think is really important because not only does he get this moment of 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 reconciliation or this moment of closure because that's really what it is uh, he knows that his people are going to be in good hands by putting Tess in charge of them, that Gilneas will be able to rebuild, and that maybe in the future we'll see that wall won't actually be rebuilt. It'll be torn down, and that maybe they'll reclaim the Fenris Isles fully and and part of Silverpine uh, and live in harmony with the Forsaken that are really right next door to them at this point because Kalia is there, and they know Kalia. Kalia is a friend of Tess. But we also hear that he's not done. He's not just going to go into obscurity. He's not just going to retire. Right, he's going to go back and advise the king of Lodoran, or of um, Stormwind. He's mm-hmm. going to try to be there for Anduin in a way that he couldn't be there for his own son. And I think that's kind of important because it's he's still going to be present. He's still going to be trying to have an impact on the world. And if not for any other anything else, at that point he's a diplomat to the alliance. Right. He's he's there full time. He's then tying Gilneas back to the Alliance fully, completely and with certainty. They have their homeland back. They have the land of their people. Their people can now start their lives again. They can be a kingdom again and they can be part of the Alliance again, just like the Proud Moors, just like Colteris came back into the fold. And it's the first time in how many years since all the the human kingdoms were more or less unified? Yeah, it is. It's been since the end of the Second War. That's the last time that they were. So, yeah, I mean, and, and it's refreshing because it's it's a bittersweet ending to the to the Worgen story. And I'm really curious how Primary Alliance players feel about it. Um, because I think I think that the decision to have him step aside for Tess is the best decision they could have made for him. Oh, I agree. And the reason, as an Alliance player, the reason I think that is uh, a lot of Horde players view Gen as an inflexible bigot who just hates the Horde and, and doesn't is not reasonable about himself and doesn't think about what, he, what his hatred is. This entire thing shows that that's not the case. Um, whilst he certainly is upfront with hating the Forsaken and the Horde, he does not... He's not mindless about it. He's not a a wild animal that's going to just bite no matter what you do. He will he is able to now step back and let Tess bring in her plan, which her plan directly involves using the Forsaken as allies. It, it's something that he he would never have been able to do. 
he could never have reached across to them. Even now, like even at this yeah. current point, even knowing he needs their help, he wouldn't. Yeah, he couldn't do it. It's not even that he wouldn't do it. He couldn't. And that's the thing is there is that in him now, that ability to recognize his limitations. Yeah, which he is realizes important. I yeah, it's very important. And also it's it's the ability for both sides to recognize their culpability in this. The Forsaken by going to Gilneas's aid are saying, Yes, we did this. And that is the the, the the beginning of an actual rapprochement between peoples is the ability to look what you've done square in the face. Yeah, we And we, that's why this is so good for both Gen and the and the Worgen and for Talia and and uh, Lillian and the Forsaken is both of them can say, you know what? Forget for a moment the justifications. Forget the excuses. We did this. Yeah, there's, and we're gonna undo it. We're gonna, we are going to help you. And it's, it doesn't pay back a debt. It doesn't fix the problems that have caused the the, the bad feelings between them. But it is something. We, we talked about this a while ago, and it's something we bring up rather frequently whenever we talk about storytelling and how do you move forward without just having all-out animosity between both factions. And this is really a good point. There can still be tension. There can still be events that happen because what moving forward doesn't necessarily erase everything that happened before it. It's the, recognize, the recognizing of take, or taking ownership of the things that you did and trying to not again, like try to build new bridges, not necessarily just mend the fences that were there and pretend it, it never happened. Right. Like you have, like you said, Kalia being that sort of that bridge with Tess to sort of work between the two of them. And we saw some of that as well in seeds of renewal when we, when Bellamath was sort of born again and mm-hmm. the horde having a, a, a sort of a hand in helping that along and, some of them saying, yeah, we kind of messed up and this is the least we can do. Right. And for that matter, the fact that sometimes people can only drop something when there is a sign that it's understood why they feel that way. Yes. Like, I think that for uh Taronda, like, I, I mean, I forget who said it, but like uh, one of the death, one of the deaths, the, the, the previously night elf, uh, Dark Hunters, I keep wanting to call them Shadow Hunters, but that's not the right word. The one of the ones that Sil- Sylvanas raised, Delarin. Uh, not Delarin. No, it is Delarin. Delarin, yep. Silver Moon. Yeah, she says that Taranda spoke very politely to her. Imagine the Taranda from Shadowlands speaking politely to her. That would not have happened. But not only has Taranda had time to deal with the emotion, to to like you know process it. She's got an example of a reason to do so, to, and, uh, you know, and and you get to the further the further sort of olive branch there too, because one of the other comments is that the Dark Rangers are free in Bellameth; they're they're free to come and and stay. Yeah, she straight up tells them, "Yeah, you, if you want to be here, you can be here. This is a place for all of us." And the, and she's basically inviting, she's inviting the Nightborn. She's inviting the bl- you know the Blood Elves. Yeah, Lothamar is there. Theresa and- is there. The, they're they're part of the problem. If you think about it, they they helped burn down Darnassus, but Teldrassil. But that's not. We are now. We don't we don't forget it. We know it happened, but we also know what happened here, and we also we, know there's. You can forgive somebody for something without, you know. But in order to forgive them, in order to even start forgiving them, they have to actually show repentance, and that's what we're getting. We're getting both sides of that. And the interesting Wendell. thing is, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it opens I, up. It opens up the door for so much more too, especially mm-hmm. in that moment. And we see it with Gilneas, and we see it with Bellameth. Bellameth is not necessarily the night elf capital. It's the elf capital at this point. It's for all of them because one of the things Tron talks about is bringing life back to all of the other places. They'll still have Hyjal when it's time for Teldrassil to bloom again they'll be there uh they're talking about all the different elven cities we might get a reclaiming of silver moon city at this point which would could potentially be massive repairing of of that scarred damage that was done by the scourge we can see maybe some reconciliation there as well the reclaiming of gilneas sort of sets the precedence for moving forward in the story 
And also one of the things it does is, and I'm, I don't want to get too optimistic here. I don't want to sound like, Oh, it means, you know, but I will say this. If you ever thought of a future where the factions don't matter, this is how you narratively build it with steps. You, you don't just throw open the gates and say, we, we just love each other now. No, you do concrete things in the story. You do Bellameth, you do this, that uh, set the let's, tone. Let's talk about the whole thing of Dragonflight with the uni- reunification of the dragons. That's mm-hmm. a theme that was present there as well. What happened about the entire course of the story between the incarnates, the the essentially the elemental dragons, we'll call them, uh, and the dragonflights. What? How do we end it? We end it with a peace for all dragons. We we end it with Thaldrassus being a capital for all of them. All of them are up. The Nether Drakes are welcome back. The Storm Drakes are welcome back. All of the and disparate- it's, it's telling that they invited them. Yes. You know, they even said, um, both Viranoth and Rathian said at one point, you know, your dragons, this is for dragons. You have a right to be here. And it's, think about what that is, that means for the Netherwing, who have never really felt accepted. No, they haven't. And the one time they tried to, uh, Malagos just used them. He used them to like figure out, to basically make himself sane, or at least as sane as he got. And the, you know, when they then later on, Deathwing uses them. They, so they didn't have a great experience. And a lot of this stuff is very thematically similar. I think that there were, we're reaching a point where we have set up a new status quo that is in its infancy. And I don't think you should just think that in the war within, boom, we're going to all be friends and pals now. No. I, that's not where we're going. What we're going is in the war within, we will see the next steps along this road and the the problems that arise and the the disappointments that happen because that that's part of the thing, but it's, it's moving past this stage of things the the past several expansions, this is really where that story ends. You have, if you start with, let's say you start with cataclysm because cataclysm really ended the previous, you know, up, up to wrath of the Lich King. That was one cohesive story that, although at the time we didn't, didn't know it, you go from cataclysm, then you hit mists, and wrath, I, I'm not wrath. Uh, mists and uh, oh bloody hell! Why can't I remember the name of the expansion where we go to Second Draenor, Warlords of Draenor, Warlords of Draenor? Man. Yeah, yeah. We, those three exp- those three expansions are basically the old world is changing. What is it changing into? And I think then you, I think it's a, it's a representation of the the maturity of the storytelling happening. Right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Uh, you're, you're looking at that. You're, we're now finally able to look back at everything from Legion to now and realize, okay, Legion was basically, for lack of a word, Legion was almost a cyclical repeat because there's that whole idea of the cycle, you know, the cycle must be broken so forth that we, we we've all heard the, the whispers of, of Ilganoth and so forth. There's this moment where you realize that that Legion had to happen because it had to 
finally end the threat of the Legion so that Azeroth could look at what it was. Yeah. And battle for Azeroth is Azeroth deciding, no, we're the same thing we always were. Kill, kill, kill. And then you get to the end of it and like, wait a minute, this is absolutely a terrible idea. Why are we doing this? Yeah, we it, it's yeah. a realization we can't do this anymore. This is not sustainable. Yeah, and that's what Shadowlands is all about. Shadowlands is all about mourning. It's about looking at the things you've lost, looking at what has been taken from you, looking at you know what will happen if you keep trying to fight the same wars over and over again. You just end up like this. You end mm-hmm. up stagnant and you know, this, this guy wants to smash all of existence because he can't, you know, the jailer can't see the beauty in existence. He can't understand that it should exist. And so he's just going to smash it all and try again. And that never works that we've, we've seen that we just went through it multiple times on Azeroth. You can't just smash it. You have to actually fix it. And so this expansion has been the fixing it expansion. The dragons working to fix themselves and coming up with a way to do it that we didn't necessarily expect. Um, I think some of us did pretty much expect that at least some of the uh, the the incarnates yeah. were going to come over. Uh, the whole Viranoth thing. Once they introduced Viranoth and we're really serious about it, we all are like, "Oh, wait a minute, Viranoth's actually saying uh, this this could work." And so now we get Belameth as part of that. The dragons not just fixing you know, their own problems, but fixing Azeroth's problems, which is what they're supposed to do. It's supposed to be their, their role and being by accepted, not by the Titan, not by beings from elsewhere that appointed themselves, but by the world itself saying, yes, you helped me. I accept you, which then moves into what Belameth itself is and is what, why Gilneas makes sense now, because while, while Gilneas has been, it's not really directly related it's like the spirit of this moment changes the world and it changes the hearts of the people in it in a, in a way that allows them to do what they couldn't do before because they can work together. Now they can actually work together, not just band together in a moment of absolute danger. And then maybe the second is over like, yo, okay, we're back to hating each other. They can actually reach that moment where they work together. And at the end, they don't immediately push each other away and go, you know, they just kind of go, thanks. You're welcome. You know, we, we owed you and you know, you can go to, let's, you know, just, let's just be happy. We, we, we got this done and they can then talk to each other. And that's, that's something we've not had ever in world of Warcraft. Yeah. And I think looping it back to Gilneas, it's, it's just more representation of that. It's more representation of that maturity of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that moving forward of having that, that, ability to be more complex in the storytelling still have your tensions still have you know those old scars present but being able to move forward and tell the storytelling in a new way one of the other things that i think is really exciting especially in the later storytelling here at the end of oh, dragonflight oh, you gonna go ma- are you gonna mention the sylvanas thing go for it um sylvanas contacts uh horde players who like were her champions like the ones that that were like loyal to her, she straight up contacts them and it's like, you know what? I've been doing this whole thing down here this whole time. Uh, I've been looking for Nathanos, although I'm not going to say his name, but we all know that's who I'm looking for. Um, I'm not coming back. Uh, I hear that this, you know, that the Desolate Council is reformed, and quite frankly, good. They, you, you guys, it's good that you're going forth and and taking care of yourselves. I'm never going to. I don't think I'm ever going to rule there again. That's that's not my role. But if I ever do manage to to finish my task here, I will always think of myself as one of them. you. Were never just arrows in my quiver. You were my people, and it's just a really good moment because it it doesn't change Sylvanas's crimes. But it's it, more it, of that maturity. Yeah, it's it's realizing that Sylvanas's actions were motivated in a large part by her un her literal emptiness. Yeah, and it's by the thing that she had lost. And it's a th- and it's a theme that we saw echoed in her that we saw echoed across everybody, even Taronda at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, again, yeah, yeah, which is this: I care so much about my people that I will do anything to help them, even if it is a terrible decision. And sometimes you can be blinded by that, like taking on the aspect of the uh, the night warrior or uh, Gen leading his people into destruction. Uh, Potentially, you know, again, uh, 
there's there's all these little tiny moments. But one of the things that I was going to say is this also feeds into the, my, my final thought, which is one of the themes we've been seeing, especially throughout Dragonflight, we saw it in Shadowlands as well, uh, is that there is a sort of, I don't want to say a passing of the torch, but I can't think of another way to phrase it. It's the old guard is still around, but their roles, they're accepting that they're not the adventurer anymore. They'll still be around to help and lend support, but it really is shifting focus. It's a lot like, it's going to sound like a weird analogy, but some people will understand what I'm saying. It's like when the Simpsons shifted focus from Bart to Homer, like it was a complete difference in sort of the tone and identity of that show. Uh, it's the same thing here. It's the characters like Thrall and Taronda and Malfurion uh, and, you know, Varian and all these other ones that were so present for so long and were driving forces behind the story for such a long period of time and central to it are starting to retire or take a step back and leave a younger generation of characters in charge, whether it's us or Tess Greymane or Kalia Menethel. Uh, you have these folks, even Lothamar, who never really had a chance in the sun until recently. Um, yeah. And, and you're you're having these younger, fresher perspectives that aren't necessarily rooted in the same trauma that all of these other like legends had to go through, right? Because think about that. Thrall has his own set of trauma that, that has led him to do some very questionable decisions. So did Sylvanas. Uh, so did Taronda and Malfurion. Uh, heck, there's a whole book on Illidan and him dealing with that. Um, mm-hmm. You have all, again, Grey Mane is another great example of it, but you have all these faction leaders that are just, they've done their time and they're earning their rest or at least their reward. You know, you have Mechatork who's reunited all of the, 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 the gnomes, like the Mecha gnomes, the regular gnomes, they're all sort of coming together again. He got what he wanted. He got what the gnomes have always wanted. There's a home now. Um, you have the trolls who have, you know, solidified under, you know, their, their current banners. You have the orcs sort of coming to, to peace with things. You have the reunited dwarven, uh, clans under one roof again, uh, with a potential future for full reintegration in, in a very near future here, uh, potentially with depending on how many years ahead, the story jumps in the next expansion. Um, and you know, oddly enough, the thing you mentioned briefly then during this is a real interesting thing to talk about. Right now, we have Gilneas, mm-hmm. Colteris, mm-hmm. um, in a way, Lordaeron, uh, and Stormwind, and they they the Alliance claimed the Arathian Highlands. Yep, this is a big chunk. You know, there's multiple different kinds of of different human kingdoms coming together. And that means that humans, when when we went into uh, World of Warcraft, one of the things that they made a point of pointing out was that Stormwind was essentially the last human kingdom. And it's not the, the humans, case anymore. Yeah. Humans are now, you know, united in the alliance of over multiple kingdoms. Sure, some of them are werewolves now. Uh, some of them are dead now. But they're still part of that tradition. They're still part of that original alliance. And it's, it almost looks like you can imagine a future where well, you talk a lot about the pan elven nature of Belameth, mm-hmm. you know, but imagine the twin kingdoms of Gilneas and Lordaeron could essentially create a future where there's a human polity, a, hu- a place where all humans go and all humans includes Worgen and Forsaken, mm-hmm. you know, and in time, since we've seen that with the dwarves and we've seen that now with the elves and we're seeing that now with humans, we could be looking at a future where literally there's a place where everybody goes. There's a place where it, it's like a pan Azerothian policy. And that's just fascinating to look at the early stages of it. And, and we may never see it get any further, but we now finally could imagine it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't change that this is a world of conflict and a world of war. But it doesn't mean you necessarily have to keep fighting the same war over and over again either. Agreed. But I think that's going to do it for us. We could have probably gone even further, but hopefully you enjoyed the recapping of that, why it's important to the story moving forward, what it represents uh, with the recapturing of the reclaiming of Gilneas. 
and as well as a little bit of the history of Lillian Voss, which I think is going to be important moving forward. Because yeah, we I'll be upfront. We should probably do a Lillian Voss show. We we probably should, uh, and very well we may. But for right now, I do want to thank everybody because Blizzard Watch is made possible due to your generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the Q&A ads free site experience. I had intended to try to get to some questions today. Wishful thinking on my part. I don't know why you even thought you could. Listen, I had to try. Um, but if you do have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in. Uh, it's podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you want to send us an email, specify the show in the subject line, as well as any special uh, pronunciations for your name in the content of the email. If you want to hit us up on Discord, we do have our uh, QN podcast questions channel, which is open for everybody. And for our Patreon subscribers, we have the Patreon QN podcast questions channel, where we give you first billing. Uh, if there's a topic that maybe we we talked about in this episode that you want us to go further into depth on or speculate on, let us know. Send those in as well. We're more than happy to consider those and, and make those happen. But I do want to thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week.